been a while since I've been up here. And the story about why that is, is really boring because it's about how I've been too busy. And like, what is more boring than the seemingly constant refrain we have in modern society about how busy we all are. Um, the only interesting part of this is that several weeks ago, I got curious about exactly when I had agreed to write this book chapter that's preoccupied my free time for most of 2021. And I discovered that I had accepted that invitation on July 22nd, 2020. Ren was one day old and I was still sitting in the hospital bed. So I found it highly entertaining that I was emailing, thank you for the opportunity and thinking I can totally get some writing done during my maternity leave, a few hours into my maternity leave. It turns out that I grossly underestimated what continuous sleep deprivation would do to my brain. And it hadn't occurred to me yet that with a kid, there would be no Saturday morning writing in the coffee shop with my favorite barista, whose name is Devon. Uh, anyway, partly for reasons that had to do with responsibilities to current clients, it took me several months to escape from the feeling of having too much to do all the time. So this introduction was relevant because I'm going to circle back to busyness and how that relates to Advent. But quickly, I also feel compelled to mention an irrelevant side note, which is that Tim was very gracious to me as I declined invitations to speak. But do you ever have times where you say something to someone, like you, you have a complaint to someone, and then you realize when it's too late that you're complaining to the wrong person about that particular thing? So I literally said to Tim a few months ago, like, besides Tim, you know, I feel like I, as a speaker, I've, I've said everything I have to say, and I've been up there too much. And, you know, I don't, I just don't have any more to say. And Tim is looking at me like, yeah, I understand the feeling of that. <laughs> and then I was like, right. Uh, he's preached a little bit more than me. Okay. So um, I love Advent. Anyone else love this season? Yeah, I love it. I grew up in Southern Texas where it doesn't really get cold. So having a few weeks where it got to like 65, my dad would quickly build a fire in the fireplace and we'd whip out the hot chocolate and so the Christmas carols and the candles, it just felt inherently hopeful and magical to me. And I would say that starting in my thirties, however, I got progressively worse at waiting for things. When I would receive envelopes towards the end of May, I knew that they were birthday cards. And so I would just open them on the day that they came. Allie is done with Ren, so he's not going to hear me making fun of him. But he claims that this is yet another sign of my characterological lack of patience. But I beg to differ. I think I can delay gratification on things if there's a practical reason to do so. I think I have trouble seeing the point of waiting sometimes, but I have now recognize that this comes with a loss of fanfare as well. Uh, last year, when I suggested to Allie that our gift to each other for Christmas should be one of those robots that vacuums your floor for you, that was in October. And as soon as we agreed on that gift, I thought, why torture myself by vacuuming my own floor for two more months when I can stop vacuuming my floor right now? <laughs> so we promptly bought the vacuuming robot, and there was no gift under the tree in December. But there's also some things that I have been unable to rush, and I was reflecting on an experience that really could not be rushed and was hard for someone who's not really good at patience, and that is being pregnant. So I know we didn't see each other a whole lot in 2020, but if you talk to me at four months pregnant or beyond, I was probably complaining to you about how pregnant I felt 
and how I could not imagine being any more pregnant than that very day. You would think that I might get tired of complaining or psychologically adjust to a nine-month timeline, but Allie can attest to my persistence because I did not. Every day for me was a mix of, I cannot wait to not be pregnant anymore, Erica, I don't know if you're feeling me on this, and the realization that I was trusting a timeline that was not my own, and in fact, depending on it. Humans in so many times and places throughout history have had to concede control as they wait for God to show up, to enter in, to bring relief. But now I'm so mindful of this other experience in Advent of Mary waiting on a baby and waiting with her body, trusting one of the oldest timelines that is not in human control. Of course, with Advent, we see December 25th coming. In our society, the latest date on which you can acceptably see December 25th coming is the day after Thanksgiving was what I had in mind. But you've been barraged before that date on the TV or the radio or Facebook or wherever you get your advertising that Christmas is coming. And if you travel to see people, you've likely had to plan out that trip already. So we know it's coming. And then December often feels like a countdown, a whirlwind, not least because we have Advent calendars with ornaments and chocolates and all kinds of stuff to mark the days. This is a different kind of waiting, the waiting that happens with a deadline. Sometimes we wait for God or for hope or release or peace or a cure, and we don't know how long we'll be waiting. And that's a different kind of waiting, and it can be a roller coaster. I know with Advent, I'd say our biggest risk isn't losing our endurance, it's that it'll pass us by too quickly. This is not your first sermon, nor will it be your last on the challenge of slowing down during Advent. From the shopping, to the baking, to the decorating, to the holiday parties, to the Christmas specials, to the Christmas blogs, to whatever you have to do for your parents or your neighbors or your kids or your siblings, nothing in the consumer market or the social media world is going to tell you to buy less or use less or do less. Our experiences of waiting in LA in 2021 are often sullied by feelings of crowding, busyness, scarcity, and frustration. It can make you a little dizzy. Here's a long excerpt from an article by one of my favorites, Anne Lamott. It's a little bit dated. Uh, she's in the third week of Advent, and she writes that this is, quote, a big time of year for my Jesus-y people. The new church year begins, and a new note is struck. It is a time of preparation and waiting, because even though as autumn grinds to a dark and murky halt, everything is dying and falling asleep and falling off, something brand new is coming. Hope is coming. And so one of the messages of Advent is don't weep over leaves. The belief is that enough hope and tenderness will lead to world peace one mind at a time. All nations will come together in kindness and justice. Swords will be beaten into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. This is a little hard to buy with a world stage occupied by Saddam Hussein and Kenneth Starr. <laughs> have to insert some different names there. But setting aside one's tiny tendency towards cynicism in the meantime, in Advent, we wait and hope appears if we truly desire to see it. Maybe it's in tiny little packets here and there hidden in the dying grass-like winter wildflowers. But we find it where we can and exactly as it comes to us while the days grow dark. We remind ourselves that you can only see the stars when it is dark and the darker it is, the brighter the light coming through. 
Advent is about the coming of Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so as the fields outside our windows go to sleep, we stay awake and watch, holding to the belief that God is with us, is close and present, and that we will be healed. I want that belief and that patience. I checked the box on the form choosing that, but it has not been forthcoming. I have instead been feeling a little, what is the psychiatric term, cuckoo. It's not that I don't have a lot of faith. It's just that I also have a lot of mental problems and I wanna fix them all. And I wanna do that now, or at least by tomorrow afternoon, right after lunch. I thought about calling our pastor and trying to get her to fix me, but she had left town for a little R&R. This is just intolerable. I have told her more than once that we wouldn't have hired her if we'd known that she was a minister with boundaries. <laughs> so Anne's article continues with where she gets help while feeling cuckoo, but I paused at this little reality that her pastor is taking some R&R &R during Advent. Good for her. I'm wondering if any of you all are taking some R&R &R in the next few weeks. My guess was that you're on a work schedule that is gearing up for the Christmas holidays. And so you're hard at work right now trying to get some stuff taken care of before that, maybe that week after between Christmas and New Year's. My point is not that our society creates people who work too much, which it does, or that you should take vacation now since really you probably can't. But I do want to talk about R&R, &R, known in psychology memes with soft pastel fonts as self-care. If I'm talking about slowing down during Advent, it seems necessary, but like many things that become popular for good reason, I've become grumpy and judgy about the term self-care and what it's come to represent. I'm tired of hashtag self-care. I don't know if that's a real thing. I just, that's what came to mind uh, when I thought that it's a trendy thing for people in the developed world who are busy and have money to document self-care on social media in activities that are all too often categorically infantile, like drinking water as self-care <laughs> or indulgent. I wrote a blog about this a few years ago because I had stumbled across an Instagram photo. I'm not on Instagram. I was researching bathroom remodeling, which is totally okay somehow in my universe, but I came across this Instagram photo of the most picturesque bathroom I'd ever seen. It was spacious, it was impeccably clean. It had a velvet antique sofa in the bathroom. And the caption underneath the photo read, every Sunday deserves the perfect space for self-care. And I thought, what? I was puzzled over that representation of a perfect space for self-care because a space that requires cleaning, photographing, and posting does not seem to me to have much natural overlap with self-care. And so the problem is that self-care is now a code for luxury products or services or lifestyles to be promoted. A new cashmere sweater, a new car, a day at the spa, and even bathroom remodels. These have always been advertised as things that will bring comfort, prestige, or fulfillment. But now they're getting associated with taking care of your health. And I think that's a little misleading. So the concept of self-care began in the medical field and was originally a way for patients to claim autonomy for their own health. It was a corrective initiated by women and people of color during the civil rights movement, a pushback against the medical establishment that was largely white, patriarchal, and dismissive of societal factors that contribute to poor health. Although I think even in these early days, there was a segment of self-care that evolved quickly towards wealthy ideals of fitness at its core, Self-care was about people establishing supportive spaces and prioritizing holistic health. I'm not saying that that can't involve spending money. Like I personally love yoga, 
although I'm not, haven't done yoga for years, but in my mind, I want to go pay for a yoga class anyway, but going shopping is not self-care. And my Christian lens is sensitive to the ways that our society has made self-care synonymous with self-indulgence. Although I'm not surprised, it's the same society that's made Christmas synonymous with candy canes and Santa Claus. So it's, it, it makes sense. So I hope you don't mishear me. I think self-care should be an everyday thing. I think you should pay attention to yourself every day and not expend yourself to the point of exhaustion. But self-care so easily gets characterized by expensive material and experiential gifts to the self. And in these ways, it becomes limited to an individualistic consumer enterprise. And that consumer mindset, even if put in the service of preparing for Advent, I think that can really get in our way. It can become a ginormous barrier to the space required for waiting or wonder. I'm probably preaching to the choir on this one, on the specific barrier of consumerism. But we're all human in this room, and to me, that means we have barriers and troubles and blind spots and inconsistencies. I'm not great at identifying my own blind spots, but I am working now on my extreme loyalty to efficiency or to the ways that it can get in the way of spontaneity and anticipation. But I think all these warnings in the Bible about our propensity to get distracted. Many are prone to read eschatological passages, the stuff about the kingdom of God being near, about being on guard so that the day doesn't catch us unexpectedly like a trap in a literal way. And so to take these passages seriously means believing that God is coming in your lifetime. I think many of you know people who have spent the better portion of their faith journey interpreting signs that the end of times are coming. I mean, maybe I'm not going to get in an argument with anyone about that. But these passages aren't just saying be expectant. They're saying don't miss out. Don't let your hearts be weighed down. Don't squander your energy and resources. And try not to become enveloped by worries. So I'm wondering, does this apply? Is there a way to live out a freedom from worry that doesn't come across as dishonest, as toxic positivity, as denial of the myriad sources of suffering? I'm not sure, but there's plenty of suffering and lamentation in the Bible. I don't really think the message is to be joyful all the time, no matter what your circumstances are. I don't think that's what the lightened heart is about. I read that weighing down of the heart to be about the ways we might be prone to be preoccupied by things that don't really matter. And I think all of this is very contextual, by the way. It's hard for me to speak about these things to a group or to say this type of concern is not worthwhile and this one is okay. But my guess is that all of us have an area or two where we are susceptible to becoming distracted, to caring about things that don't matter, or at least they won't matter in a hundred years, as my mom used to say when I was a teenager. And I can't get that out of my mind. And it was probably a really bad thing to say to me as a teenager. But then I think it's just going to come out of my mouth or run as a teenager. I'm not going to be able to, it's going to happen. Advent may be a time where we can pinpoint some things that are in our way that may steal the preciousness of certain moments or steal the meaning out of traditions that have become tainted by our compulsions to complete them a certain way. I'm wondering if you can remember the last time you felt waiting and wonder what was involved in that. Maybe it was a grand scene. Uh, maybe it was an ordinary one that you were able to appreciate in a different way. Was there a mindset you had to inhabit first in order to be fully available to that experience 
So maybe some questions to talk back, although I don't want to censor you, but to think about last time you, you felt waiting and wonder. So as much as we set up for Christmas, prepare the table and decorate the tree, I did that yesterday. Again, I love that stuff. I get really into it. Ali does not get into it, and he also does it wrong. So now our tradition is that I do it, and he sits in the room and watches me decorate the tree. That's how we like to do it. So while we do all these preparations, I think about how we orchestrate all of that, and we can't orchestrate our experiences of God. We don't get to name the hour that God shows up, and sometimes we have precious little control over ourselves as well. Sometimes we just aren't feeling open or hopeful, and the pressure to feel those things doesn't help them come any quicker. All we can really do is clear the way, create some space. Maybe that's self-care. Maybe that's watching leaves fall. Maybe that's not gifting yourself with a Christmas present in October. I hope that as we enter Advent, you can engage in a mindset of awareness first, a welcoming of waiting, because I do believe we need to first find some space. If contentment, hope, gratitude, or wonder enter in, these are the gifts of not being distracted. So with that, I want to officially invite you into the watching and the waiting.